Well, great to have you here this morning with us and uh, great to be worshiping. You know, um, this past week was, well, it was surreal, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was practically emotion numbing as you walk through with people, some of the heartache they're going through, as you see some of the devastation around, as you recognize some of what could have been and the damage that could have been done to uh, lives as well as property. And uh, great to see so many here uh, doing well and uh, alive and well. And um, maybe that's God's mighty hand. Amen. You know, it reminds me of Job chapter one. God said flat out, you can touch the property. Do not touch my servant. You know what I'm saying? Job chapter one, as God's talking to Satan and he says, I'm telling you this, there can be some level of touch, but not this much. I put my hand down here. And uh, that's what was going on, man. As, uh, well, flat out, we had somebody sitting over at Pinecrest in 74 and they're watching the tornado roll down Simran, blowing down trees coming right at this property. And, uh, and they cried out, in prayer, Lord, please, not that church. And um, we had no idea what was going on in here, other than we knew our phones were going off and we had no power, right? And we had started praying just minutes before that in groups. And uh, the guy said he was watching as the tornado came in, hit the parking lot, took a hard turn north and blew through the parking lot out. It turned 50 feet from this building. And uh, we lost about 125 cars. Uh, that's been fun all week, huh? Lost about 125 cars. Everybody's like, I got to get a used car before the next guy. And, uh, and man, that's the small problems is the loss of a car as it moved then forward. And we had, uh, 10 other tornadoes in the area and homes destroyed and people who have lost practically everything they own. And, and yet in each of those cases, God doing such a mighty work of getting people to a right spot, right place, keeping them safe. And, and, uh, God is a protecting God. God is a providing God. And uh, sometimes he chooses to let property be touched. May we worship him all the more. Amen. Hey, we've been talking about faith. Today, I just wanted to gear shift. We're going to talk about faith under fire. All right. Faith under fire. What's it look like when, when things don't go the way we want? And how do I continue to have faith in my almighty God and move forward with him? We're going to just use one or two verses out of Romans 4, and then we're going to jump to another passage just to make sure we stay on this topic, a very important topic considering what we've been through uh, as a town, as a city, as a community here in this last week. So turn with me, if you will, to Romans 4, 18 to 20. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Romans 4, 18 to 20. And uh, just raise your hand, they'll get a Bible to you. This is faith under fire. Uh, how do I have a healthy faith in the midst of things that are not going the way I wanted? All right. And uh, so first step, faith grown. Faith grown. Give glory to God when in crisis, convinced he will fulfill his promises. It will grow your faith. Um. Give glory to God when in crisis, convinced he will fulfill his promises. Well, let that settle for a moment. Uh, As you sit in trauma, as you sit in loss, as you 
sit in heartache, being able to give glory to God, that takes some serious focus, all right? And uh, being able to grab onto some of those promises of God, and we're going to talk about that here this morning, all right? Romans 4, 18, it says, in hope, he believed against hope. Remember, we're talking about Abraham here, and this is the second half of chapter 4, and uh, in hope, he believed against hope. What, what does that mean? In hope, he believed against hope. And uh, it basically means this. When it was ridiculous, he still had hope. That's what it means. When hope would not have been something natural or obvious, he still had hope. Uh, hope, even against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. God had promised him. Genesis 15, you will be the father of many nations, like the stars of the sky will be your generations after you. And he's like, great. And then it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He's holding on to that belief. He's trusting in his God. But there's one problem. He hadn't had any kids yet. And years had gone by and he was getting old, man. I love the description here. It it says, as he had been told, so shall your offspring breathe. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? This is useless, man. I got nothing, right? And Abraham's, I can't even imagine the talks he's having with his wife over breakfast in the morning. And he's like, seriously, God thinks this is going to have a son. This is ridiculous, but, but God said, and so we'll see. And, uh, more than just as good as dead, it says, since he was about a hundred years old, everybody say, wow. Yeah, that was a big deal. Even then hundred years old. All right. And, uh, and he's looking for his first kid. Okay. We got a puppy it and I'm 48 and that was enough. <laughs> and, uh, I can't even imagine Having a kid at a hundred years old, right? Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Uh, Sarah also struggling with age. uh, Ten years younger than Abraham, but, you know, she's still up there, man. And she's like, you think this is going to have a baby? And you got to be kidding. I don't even know if I like that promise, right? And uh, Abraham and Sarah wrestling with the promise that God gave them with standing in faith. And notice it says that he did not weaken in his faith. Is that describing you? Or are you getting shuddered and shaken when you look at the ridiculous out ahead of you? Does not weaken in his faith. Man, what an awesome description of somebody who's clinging to the promise of God, not to the obviousness of his eyes right before him. It says, verse 20, and I love this verse. uh, It says, no distrust made him waver. Wow. Just let that settle for a moment. What makes you waver? Distrust. It's when we set down that God is worth listening to. It's when we stop hearing what he has to say. It's when we literally, we begin to doubt because we must know better, right? And uh, 
No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. He grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. He did not weaken. In fact, he grew strong in his faith. This is a man who was promised something and he's waiting upon God to deliver on it. And he didn't just sit there wobbling back and forth. He was growing stronger and stronger and stronger in that faith. My God can deliver and I will wait upon him. And what an awesome God I serve. I'm his servant in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham convinced that God's promises were so worth following, trusting in man. Our faith wavers the moment we distrust. That's the key. As we look at this past week and some in this room have lost everything. And um, we're here for you. And we're here with you. May this body lock arms like never before. And uh, no distrust. Our God's got a plan. We're going to give him the glory. May he be worshipped. With all we've got. Amen. And that's what it looks like. It doesn't make sense. The world doesn't get it. Man, you look at the blogs. You look at everything out there right now. And they're like, yeah, what about? And then they start casting dispersion against God. And uh, that would be massive distrust. All right. As we lean upon our God who can do anything and protected so many, look at the number of churches alone that these tornadoes skidded around past and over where there were hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people worshiping in buildings that did not have adequate protection to go down underneath and whatever else. And God just moved it around. Not my people. And uh, We got to worship that God. We got to celebrate that God. Promises, you know, our God is not a God of one promise to Abraham about having kids. Our God is a God of many promises. And uh, so eight promises to count on in our crises, eight promises for us to count on in our crises. All right, here we go. Promise number one, he works all things together for the good. He does. He works all things together for good. That doesn't mean that in the moment the pain should be enjoyed like like a masochist. Right. I love pain, man. Yeah, you're weird then. Okay. It's, it's okay to not like the pain, but we understand that there's purpose in what God's walking us through. And we understand that he is working all things together for good. All right. And and so while there is pain and while there are tears, tears are okay. Everybody say tears are okay. Man, you better get that. It is not wrong for a grieving soul to be crying. Lock arms with them, put your arms around them, cry with them, hear from them, hurt with them. It can hurt and you're still trusting. Do you understand? But nonetheless, God is working things together for good. Romans 8, 28 and 29. I'll just read it in. We know that those who love God, uh, to them, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What is that good? That you look more like Christ. That you love him more, that you long for him more, that you're shaped to be like him more than you ever were before. And he'll use all circumstances to walk you through. His sovereign hand walking you along the way that you might be changed to look more like him. All right? That's the first promise. Second promise, that he will complete his work. And uh, Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He will absolutely perfect us. There will be a day, whether we are taken home to glory through passing away or through the rapture, where all of a sudden we are at home with him and in perfection. And he will in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, complete his work. And here's the beauty. The long-standing process of working with us and shaping us, of growing us to be more like him, of showing us what we need to let go of, of what we're making too much of, of what we need to make more of him in. And he's going to be completing his work. He loves you. And he's working with you. And he's got his arms around you. Your God. He's working all things together for good. He will complete his work. Number three, he carries us. He carries us. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. A lot of times we don't even know it, right? We don't even get what God's doing in our life to be able to stir us to... uh, move us, to grow us, to help us to hold up under. God is bearing your weight. He's with you. He's carrying you. Promised. No distrust now. Lean on him for it. Number four, he strengthens us. Uh, But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. Uh, He strengthens us. Isaiah 40, 31. Our God renews us. He enables us. He lifts us up. He's got a plan for you. And he's going to move you along that path. It is not to make much of you. It is to make much of him. That's what it's all about. And in our entire process of life, may we grasp this. If I can give glory to him, everything's headed the right direction. My faith will grow. He will transform my soul. I will become more like him. God will be doing an amazing work in me. God at work in us. That's what all these promises are about so far, right? So he works all things together for good. He will complete his work. He carries us. He strengthens us. His grace is sufficient for us. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians twelve nine. Let that settle for a moment. My strength or my power uh, is made perfect in weakness. It's truly in our moments of not being able to think much of us that we begin to think much more of him. And uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 
His grace is sufficient. Here's the beauty. He's not saying, hey, think much of me. It ain't going to be worth anything. It's not going to help at all. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying quite the opposite. I'm telling you my grace poured out upon you. It's all you need. That's what I'm giving you is my grace. And from there, I give you so much more. Don't get caught up in the so much more, though. Get caught up in the grace that is sufficient for us. Right? May we live with that promise. May we long to know that promise. And uh, trust me, it might take frustration or struggles or hurts or loss or heartache for us to get wakened up to that promise that his grace is sufficient. Uh, next, uh, his goodness is satisfying. His goodness is satisfying. Jeremiah thirty-one fourteen. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness. Remember we talked about the word good and uh, wrong word in the English, right? Good, like it means, well, not great, you know, not perfect for sure, but good. And, and uh, that's not what this word means. Goodness, it means like stunning perfection that could only come from the divine God of the universe. That kind of goodness. Wow. His goodness, well, it satisfies our soul. You've been designed to taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, it's so satisfying. Promise, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. First Corinthians ten thirteen. in your walk of life, he will not take you down a path you cannot, cannot handle. There is no such thing as, God, this is too big. God, I cannot handle this. There's no way to. The reality of that statement is this. God, uh, I'm struggling. Real. God, I'm hurting and I'm scared. Real. Uh, God, this is too big. Wrong. Here it went over the line and it began to claim that a promise is no longer true. I have promised I will not tempt you. I have promised I will not destroy you. I will work with you. You won't be tempted beyond what you're able. I will never let that happen. There will always be a way to escape. First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen is the verse for that. It says, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay. Temptation, he guarantees there won't be too much that you can't handle it. Look for the way of escape. Everybody hear that? When you're tempted, it is not look for how to be strong in the midst and stand up under. When you're tempted, you run. Get it? When you're tempted, you book. Get out of there. Look for the way to escape and do it. All right? And then the last one, he gives rest. He gives rest. Come to me, all who labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest in our God. Peace in our God. That's our king. Listen to those promises, man. 
He's working all things together for good. He will complete his work. He carries us. He strengthens us. His grace is sufficient. His goodness is satisfying. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. He will give you rest. Deep breath. That's your God. Everything you go through, run it through this filter. This past week was a week of a lot of devastation and a lot of heartache. And um, man, our faith is under fire when we go through those things, right? I know we put together a few picks. Can we just throw first one up here? And uh, so this is our parking lot. And uh, as cars were spun around, some lifted up and kind of put on top of medians as windows were blown out on 125 plus cars and and uh, you can see all the, just the intermingling there. Can you, the timing of this, that God brought this through at a point where everybody was either in here or out, gone, and we had just handfuls of people coming in, and God protected them mightily. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Just amazing what he did. This is the parking lot as the tornado ripped through right over here. And uh, next one. This is over in Washington. I was standing just next to uh, one of the families in our church uh, next to their property and taking a picture looking out over the where the tornado had gone through. And you've seen so many of these pictures already. Uh, just amazing where homes are just toothpicked. And uh, these are people's lives, man. Their faith is under fire. Some of them attend our body, eight to be exact. And... Uh, Be praying for them. Be looking to do way more than pray. Be looking to partner with them. Be looking to be a part of life with them and walk through it with them. Right? And uh, last one. I love this pic. This just says volumes. I don't need to say any words, right? When God is bringing trial, know this. You are still loved. Hear it? You are still loved. God working in us in the midst. That's uh, the Martin's van uh, here in our parking lot. As God's like, all right, we're blowing it up. And I love you. (laughs) Right? And uh, you got to love it. Cool. Hey, uh, simple. What's your crisis that you're going through? Uh, Maybe it's this tornado. Maybe it's some things that have been caused by it. Maybe your home has been completely ravaged. Maybe it's just an automobile. Maybe it's just some family or friends going through some things and you're having to work on that with them. Maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's something in your health. Maybe something's going on in your, in your life where God's getting a hold of you. Uh, faith under fire. What's your crisis? Now, simple question, how are you doing with those eight promises? Which ones do you need to be grabbing onto all the more and trusting in all the more that you don't distrust, but instead grow in your faith as you give God the glory? All right. That's the first step. Faith, growing our faith. Second, we're going to jump to a different story now. And uh, we're going to go over to second Samuel verse 10 or chapter 10. Second Samuel chapter 10. All right. Old Testament and uh, a little bit towards the beginning there. Second Samuel 10. And um, I just wanted to gear shift a little bit to make sure we talk about 
How do I handle faith under fire? Let's get an example, a story being lived out of somebody in crisis who needed to walk their faith through and let's learn from them. All right. So this is a story of Joab uh, and David. These are two men who are fighting. David's the king and Joab is one of his mighty men, a helper, a, a warrior. All right. And they're making some decisions in the midst of crisis and we're going to learn from them. Second Samuel chapter 10. Are we all there? We good? Give me a nod. We're all good. All right. Good deal. So second Samuel 10. Our second point is this, uh, the head head, take the best of what God has provided you and prayerfully wisely plan. We're going to talk about our whole faith engaged head, heart, and will. All right. Our whole faith. So this is the head and, uh, Take the best of what God has provided you and prayerfully, wisely plan. This is taking faith steps. We don't wish for what we didn't have. We don't long for what isn't there. We don't wish that God did rearrange the circumstances. And if you had just given me and we give him our complaint list of what he didn't include, we take a look at what God has given us. And with that, we make plans. Faith. It takes into account your head. Okay, listen to me all too long, all too often people teach a faith and they teach a wrong faith. It's somehow this kind of emotional only feelings inside movement. It's a logical thing as well. Do not decapitate yourself. Use your head. All right. Faith steps. It involves thinking. So here we go. We'll start in um, verse nine here. Uh, it says when Joab saw that the battle was set against him both in front and in the rear, both in front and in the rear. Everybody say, that's not good. Wouldn't want to be there, would you? Where do we go? Well, don't go that way or or that way, right? Uh, Set both in the front and the rear. He chose action word, thinking. He chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in the charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. Hey, man, they're like on every side, right? You guys over here, you guys over there, spread out on both sides right now. Plan made, chosen, moved. Here's what he did not do. God, you needed to give me like a couple hundred more men. What are you thinking about with this? I mean, all these guys should be over there. I don't have any. I'm just telling, I'm going to put that in my prayer journal tonight. (laughs) Right? And uh, take a look at what God's given you. Assess where you're at. Figure out what God's calling you to do with what he's given you. And you take faithful steps. For some of you this week, there's almost nothing that you have except friends and family and a church that loves you and we're willing to help walk it through with you in every step. Uh, And our impact groups have just done a great job taking care of people this week and our body rallying in so many ways. And, And for others, we've got a lot more with us to be able to choose and make decisions. Make sure you make wise decisions, all right? He arrayed some against the Syrians. He arrayed some against the Ammonites. And he said, get ready for this. Very cool statement. If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. 
But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. You hearing what he just said? Partnership, man. We've got each other's backs. And if it's getting too hard for you, I'm there. And if it's getting too hard for me, then you're here. That's the answer. Partnership. Everybody just say that with me. What's the answer? That's the answer, man. Together, we have each other's back. We will reason through what we need to do. We will make sense of where we have to go. And we will all, in partnership, get through this together. Partnership. I love this statement. There's one scenario missing that he didn't list. What if both of them are too much for both of us? And he's like, I ain't even going there. God doesn't do that. So answer. If they're too much for me, I must have put a few too many over there. Come over here and help. And if it's too much for you, then I'll get over there. I must have put too too many over here. But that's the only issue where it stands is did I put the right number of people somewhere? I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to hear that. But God will not let us down. Now let's work together on this and let's rally together on this and let's watch God move the head as we take the best of what God has provided and we prayerfully and wisely plan. Um, What an amazing decision that has to be made and uh, how often we make such poor decisions, don't we? Why is that? Why do we make such bad decisions? Well, I can tell you probably it's because we're either too emotionally driven or we're too fear driven or we just have no discernment. Those would be three main issues. Emotionally driven or fear driven or lacking discernment. All right. And uh, so let me just help you. Faith based decision making. All right. Here we go. If I'm going to make a good faith based decision, what do I need to do? Seven steps. Number one, uh, trust God's word. Look for truth in his word and follow that word. It is God's promise. Trust God's word. All right. A faith-based decision will always know what God's word says about the circumstance. Okay. Uh, Well, I don't know God's word in this area. Call me. Call one of our pastors. We will get help to you. Call your impact group leader. Uh, Raise it up through the ranks. Let's work together on it. Partnership. Let's make sure we get God's word settled in this. All right? Trust God's word. Number two, seek wise biblical counsel. Uh, Notice I did not say seek counsel. Hey, man, everybody's got an opinion. Please be careful who you're getting your opinions from. Wise counsel. Like they think well through circumstances. They see all sides of the fence. They understand what's required and what would make best functioning sense. They're not lacking discernment. They're wise, but also biblical, wise and biblical. Two very important adjectives in your counsel. All right. Don't be running around looking for somebody that wants to control your life. Does everybody understand? Anybody can have an opinion, but... God's work is the work we're looking to have done, right? All right. Number three, look for open and closed doors. 
When God shuts down a circumstance, trust me, he is saying, not that way. At least not now. Right? When God opens up a a circumstance, he might be saying, use that. He might be saying, hang on, that's not it. It just looks like it. So open and close doors. That's a good uh, first step in being able to figure out where to go. Number four, uh, listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is the most touchy. Listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit speaks in a whisper. The more you are in sin, the more you are selfish and you're crying out, the more you are longing for your discomfort to be removed, the less you'll be able to hear him speak. Okay? You're going to be able to, you're going to need to be able to calm him, calm that down to hear from him. And the best way I can say it is this. That's where you're probably going to need a friend with you, praying with you, talking with you, making sure that they think you're hearing from the spirit. All right. The Holy Spirit does lead us and guide us. John 16 very clearly interacts with us. Okay. And uh, there are times where he's leading us right to something more specific. And there are times where he's giving us a general lead. And, um, but listen to the leading of the spirit. Number five, look at personal desires and passions. God's not going to take you to a place where you absolutely have not been designed to be a part of or want to be there for. In the long run, that's not where he's going. All right. Doesn't mean in the short run, he might not be walking you through something of discomfort and growing. But be careful. Look for passions and desires. What kind of things is he built into you that you long for? And uh, usually he's headed for something in that area of answer. All right. Number six, uh, use common sense. Uh, at some point, a faith-based walk just makes good sense, man. Do you hear me? If every time you're taking a faith walk, everybody around you is like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're missing step six. Okay. And, and somehow you're jumping around and letting the spirit lead in quotes, which basically that's just code, by the way, for Christians to say, I felt like I wanted it. Okay. And, and be careful. The difference between I feel it and the Holy Spirit's leading me is a very subtle difference. And be careful in that. Um, Becoming an expert of hearing God's voice uh, is is an art. Because we're not hearing it audibly. If you are, call me. We need to talk. (laughs) And um, number seven, remain true to your commitments. Um, Maybe another way to say it. No flip-flopping. If your decision-making seems to keep bouncing you around, you're reevaluating too often. There's something that needs to happen in the slowing down, putting a filter on it is what we would call it in engineering terms. Slow it down, man. Pace it a little bit. Figure that out, okay? And make sure that there's some reasonableness to the timing of the switches and the adjusts and the changes. If you're buying a new house every year and you live in the same town, slow down a little bit. All right. If you're right, there's just kind of obvious. If there's things going on that are too whipsaw in what you're doing, you're making it too much about your feelings in the moment and you're not letting everything else stand true. Okay. These are the seven steps in decision making and faith based decision making. Some of you right now this week have to decide what car you're going to buy because you lost yours. And if you're like us and yours is totaled and, uh, and you just have to go get a new one now. 
and figure out what that means. Some of you, you might have to be looking for places to stay. And uh, is this the right place for my family to be? And no, it's not. And okay, open door. It's closed now because it's not the right place. We're moving forward. It needed to be in better shape. And that's great. Making those decisions and moving forward, using your head, engaging all of your head as you make wise sense out of it. A lot of tough decisions being made this week, next week, and the week after. Please be in prayer for this body. That all of us together, rallying together, that each one of us individually makes good decisions under fire. Okay? A lot of stresses can be going on that make bad decisions. Uh, Let me just say um, that things execute well when you plan ahead. Okay? Things execute well when you plan ahead. If you're the kind of person that likes to run, jump in, and then figure out how it all go, uh, I love you, man. That is not me at all. That is not me at all. I love you. Come with me. I'll slow you down a little. All right? Really, we need to engage our heads some. And I'm not saying just hang around and wait until everything makes total obvious 100% sense. That would have been me 20 years ago. There is a point where you need to step in and go. Okay? But please make some sense out of it. All right? And uh, some of you last week, I had people coming up to the elders and to a couple of us pastors and just saying, wow, during the 11 o'clock service. I mean, it just went so smoothly and calmly as we were managing what was going on with the tornado. And we had sat down and talked about tornadoes and what we were going to do with them and uh, what things would look like. And, and let me tell you, when you're sitting in a meeting and it's like clear skies outside and you're sipping a Diet Coke and talking with each other and you're like, let's talk about tornadoes. It feels a little negative. It feels a little over the top on the worrisome side. But let me tell you, it's just some basic plans allowed all of us to kind of have our things in motion of where we'd put people, how things would go, where the kids would go, who has what, what do we do with child check-in, what, all of it just bang, 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 bang. And it went so smoothly. And uh, just a big shout out to my staff, to the elders, to hundreds of volunteers. I'm telling you, every one of you guys knocked it out last week. Appreciate it. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for our people. Thank you for the following through with a plan. And, and there was a basic plan in place and they did everything else to the nines. And uh, just love how God protected this place. Love the calmness that this body had uh, and a surrender during the 11 o'clock service, just letting it be and trusting God. And uh, quite frankly, at some levels, trusting us as leadership. And uh, wow, uh, appreciate it. Humbled by it. Okay. And uh, question. So what do you need to be working on with your head? Faith-based decisions. What do you need to be working on? And if you were even to look at those decision-making steps, the seven steps. So what do you need to be improving in? Which area? Trusting God's word, seeking his count, seeking wise counsel, looking for open and closed doors, listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, looking at personal desires and passions, using common sense, remaining true to your commitments. Figure it out. Your head needs to be engaged or your faith is going to really waffle. All right. Heart. Be of courage for yourself, for your people and for your city. Uh, be of courage for yourself, your people, and your city. That's heart. 
Start out here, verse 12. He says, be of good courage. I love this. Be. It is a decision. It is an action on your part to step up. Be. Do this, please. Be of good courage. So we'll take it last first. Courage. That means despite my fears, I will step up. That means no matter what I think of what's going on, I am going to make good on this. And then good courage. Remember, we already talked about good. It means divine given, God ordained, holiness driven courage. Be of good courage. Stand undaunted. Doesn't mean tearless, but it means fearless. Are you hearing me? Huge. As you stand in the midst of your fires, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. I love that. I don't know if there could be a better speech given. As this guy is like, you guys over there, you guys over there, everybody hear me now. Be of good courage. And whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. Let's worship him now and let's go do our thing. That's faith walk. That's our king in charge. And we're taking steps. We're not asking him to do everything for us. We're not asking him to clear the way and make it all easy. We're willing to do some work. But let me tell you, the heavy lifting is his. We trust in you, God. He says, and the, may the Lord do what seems good to him. Joab, in other words, my perspective doesn't count. It's tainted and it's narrow. I trust my God's perspective of good and I'll lean on him. He's working in this broken world and he's doing amazing things. Let's let God have his way with our souls. Amen. That's what it looks like. Be of good courage and, um, Notice it says, for the people and the cities of our God. We're going to talk about this in the last point, but he breaks it down. For the ones you know, for those places out there around us that we know of. And uh, yeah, all of it, we're partnering together and caring. Okay? Um, Be of good courage. Let me just read this to you. This was last week. Uh, I received this email uh, right after the tornado. Good evening. I wanted to share my experience from Sunday um, and let you know what happened. Sunday morning, I was driving to church for second service. I normally attend the first service, but was planning to attend party with the pastors. By the way, famous Dave's made it here (laughs) with food for party with the pastors. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry I'm late. There was a bad weather out there. (laughs) It's hilarious. But uh, you know what? Praise God, we were able to take the food and feed all those who had cars damaged and uh, just really kind of become a little triage place for a while. I normally attend first service, but was... I still can't believe you said that. (laughs) Normally attend first service, but was planning to attend party with the pastors. So I came to second service. I am from Peoria. It was pretty horrible driving due to the rain, hail, and wind. I contemplated turning around, but since the sun was shining ahead of me, I decided to continue going to church. When I pulled into the parking lot and got out of my car, the sun was shining. It was not raining. I walked one car length, and it began to rain and hail in sheets. I started running and saw a parking lot attendant running towards me. 
Once he reached me, he linked arms with me. And while we tried to run toward the church, we were pushed backward by the huge winds. I believe we were lifted off the ground by the wind at the end there. And then he pulled us both to the ground and protected me with his body. It's one of our parking lot attendants, man. And uh, from the blowing debris and wind, while the wind and car alarms were all around us, he reminded me to keep my eyes closed because of the debris and helped keep me calm. When the majority of it was over, he helped me up. We started back inside and someone else came toward us. At this point, both men helped me inside the building. Once inside, a wonderful lady and her daughter and son helped calm me. They got some water, Kleenexes, dry towel, and warmed me up. She was a wonderful calming influence. Uh, Later found out from my brother, who was watching from Pinecrest in 74, that the tornado was headed toward the church. He began to pray that it would turn, not hit harvest, because he knew it was full of people at the time. He then saw it turn and not hit harvest. And um, that's what was going on, man. We had some people being of good courage. Um, That's just one story. We've got several other stories of... um, Guys grabbing little kids who were starting to get blown up in the air, grabbed a hold of them, pulled them down, dragged them inside. Uh, a lot of little lives were saved last week out in the parking lot as people were of good courage. Look, sometimes God calls us right into the foray. And it is our job to say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Uh, stand up and courageous and may you be honored, God, and I'm ready to step forward. What's God calling you to stand in now? And what's he asking you to be of good courage in now? Your heart fully engaged. No fear will take hold. My God has this under control. I 100% trust in him. He absolutely has it in hand. I will be of good courage. Now let's walk with him. What is it he's calling you through? Faith. Yes, the head. Yes, the heart. Being of good courage. And then third, the will. Trusting God's hand of provision, confidently engage in the battle. Trusting God's hand of provision, confidently engage in the battle. Verse 13. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to the battle against the Syrians And they fled before them. Do you get that? Like, so they went to do the battle and God did the work. And they fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from the fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. The war was fought for him. God doing the work, how often it is that we set ourselves up thinking we have to do the work. And as we step in, we're amazed at how much he does. Okay. Whether it be putting his hand down between us and a tornado or putting his hands around you as you're in the basement of your house and it gets turned to toothpicks above you as you know of friends or family and their hurts and needs now ongoing. Just make sure of this. We have a call. And the call is not just in the moment when the tornado hits. We have a call over the next year as people are wrestling with bringing life back to normalcy. Okay? And so let's do a little faith planning of our own here from a missions perspective. All right? Let's throw the first slide up here. So our plan 
three, three pronged. Our building, our people, and our cities. All right? Our building. So let me just say it again. Our building, our people, our cities. What are the three? Our building, our people, our cities. Say it again. That's what we're going after. That's our plan. Notice the people in cities comes right out of this passage. That's a call we're given right here in scripture. All right. So here's our building. We had 125 cars damaged last week and some minor damage to the building. We had, you know, a couple of things hit the roof and tore uh, the liner. It was fixed within two days. And uh, we had debris all over the parking lot. We got that cleaned up in a couple days. We had 120 plus people working here uh, yesterday and uh, cleaned up the whole parking lot, cut down timber, stacked things up, and then went into the neighborhood for four more hours and just poured it on with them, loving on them and caring for them right here in East Peoria, these couple of streets. And um, so our building, we got this glass swept. We've got uh, some siding. A tornado went through our parking lot. We lost one piece of siding. Is that awesome? And uh, so you got to love that. And uh, repaired the roof in several spots, picked up the debris, got the cut and fallen timber done. And uh, we, uh, the interior west wall over here, like when the tornado went by, it sucked out and back in. I mean, I don't know how much closer it needed to be to suck it away, but it buckled out and back in. So we just have cracks on the wall. We just need to do some cosmetic fixing. It turns out there's no structural damage. So praise God for that. Mild. Building's done. We're good. Okay. Check off. We'll get that on the side. We don't need to talk about it. All right. Our people. And, uh, so we had eight families who lost homes. We had a couple of people who lost their businesses. All right. And, uh, that's a big deal. Everybody say big deal. Don't lose sight of this. Uh, people watch it for a week. They're in awe. They try to come over and help with this one week long. We're not here for one week. We're here for whatever it takes to get them through. Amen. All right. Um, I was close to a week, amen. We'll look for a stronger one in a second, all right? And uh, so what have we been doing so far? Assisting in the salvaging. We were already over there Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, Friday of this week and uh, doing some work there. We already put, I don't even know the numbers. It had to be 75, 80, 85 people over there over the course of the three days. And uh, just amazing to get some work done. Hey, look, the bottom line is right now, the main goal is salvage what you can and then help get debris to the sides. That's kind of what's going on over there in Washington. So we did that for three days over there and then uh, ensure that they all have places to stay. Some of that's going to be transitioning. You get a place to stay for a moment. We need to move it around. So just heads up. Keep your eyes peeled. If you know of an availability, call us. We might be able to get something connected. Do me a favor, by the way. These eight people have been called by 2,000 people. So do me a favor. Let us kind of be point on it. Call the church. We have assigned a point person over each of the eight families and we'll be getting to them. So if you guys come to us and we go to them, we'll be able to streamline a lot of it. And then they won't be freaking out with trying to tell 2000 people different things that they need to do. And clear. Make sense. So I love the loving on them. Please don't stop it. Let's just get a little structure to it and we can help them out. Okay, cool. And uh, staying alert to the next needs, whatever that might be. This is going to be ongoing, okay? So that's our people, and then next, um, our cities. Over a thousand homes damaged or destroyed, and uh, wow, it's a lot of turmoil going on. So hey, here's an idea. This next Wednesday, they're doing a uh, pre-Thanksgiving dinner to just call together the Washington families who have lost homes. Let them just kind of rally together. It's going to be run with Aaron Schock and with the mayor over there. And they've asked us if we could give 30 people who could serve a meal. Can you serve a meal on Wednesday? 
It's, uh, I forget the hours. Do we know the hours? 11 to 2. And uh, it'll be over in Washington. And if you can do that, we need you to sign up. Sign up on the website. We've already got a handful that have signed up. We would love to have you join us. It'll probably fill fast. Might want to make a quick decision and get there. This is 30 people we need to serve. Come with a smile. Come to care. We're just going to be helping them out, giving them some meals, and then letting them take over. Okay? So this isn't even our thing. This is their thing. We're just helping them out to do it. Um, Aaron Schock and the mayor, and we just love their just calling together Washington and taking care of them. We want to be a part of that. All right? So it's a small thing we can do. A nice gesture. Uh, Harvest work teams. We're going to continue to roll teams out. Take advantage of the website. The tornado relief website is going to constantly be showing new opportunities coming up. As we get made aware of things, we're going to roll out a plan to go after it. All right. We're calling them harvest work teams for now. So be looking for those on there. If you go to the tornado relief, it'll show you everything we've already done. And then one's coming up that you could sign up for. All right. Love to get you in on that. Love to get you helping out. Let's get hands and feet of Jesus Christ making an impact in this community. And all of God's people said... That's a good amen. All right. Samaritan's Purse. That is another organization that is doing some work, and they might know of things we don't. We're good with that. They are on the ground seven days a week going out, okay? And if you want to sign up with Samaritan's Purse and do a one-shot day with them, that's great. They're over at Grace Morton, and they'll leave there about 7.15, or actually you have to be there at 7.15. They leave at about 8 after training you a little bit, and then they'll put you on the ground wherever they're going that day. Sometimes East Peoria or Pekin, sometimes Washington. So if you want to be a part of that directly, you can do that. We're probably going to hook some things up with them as well. We're just trying to figure all that out. Uh, quite frankly, we would have overwhelmed them uh, if we came in with our numbers. We put more on the ground there, uh, really, in those three days than they put down in the whole week. And so I want to be careful. They're just getting up to snuff. They're going to have 60 to 70 workers by this weekend, and they're really getting after it now, starting in the next week. So Samaritan's Purse, it's a great organization, gospel-driven organization. All right. So let me just bring this down to one close gospel deep. It's not just about salvation. It's about how we live all of life. It's about faith under fire. It's about responding as God puts us in whatever situation he has for us to say, I will not fear no matter what storms of life come. You're my God and I will worship you with all I have. I'm in. Now, what do you need done, Lord? Who do you need helped, Lord? Where can we move, Lord? Head, heart, and will, all fully engaged, that our God be worshipped. Faith, walk. May we be that body. Amen? Amen? Let me pray.